Quiet quitting is a term you've probably heard lately in the news, but what does it mean for veterinary professionals? This week, we're going to talk about quiet quitting and how can you get your staff more engaged at work this week on The Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to The Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine. And quiet quitting is all over the news. In fact, it's gone viral on TikTok. And this week, we want to talk about what is quiet quitting? Has it been around a long time? Is this a new thing? And what you can do to try to keep your staff engaged and not quietly quitting. But before we talk about all of that in a very loud fashion, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward. And I'm registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser. Hey, I'm Becky Mosser. Guess what? Today is... What's today? It's a special edition of our show. It is the 300th episode of the Veterinary Viewfinder. I can't believe it. That's impossible. <laughs> no, what it's very possible. It is... Oh, well, I, I didn't get you anything <laughs> except for quiet quitting topic, but, <laughs> but 300 <laughs> episodes of Viewfinders. I want to thank you, first of all. I know there are several of you out there that have been there along for the entire ride, but 300 weeks of this. Uh, Becky, I mean, it's 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 a commitment, right? This is one of those I'm things like over that... over here counting on my fingers. Does that mean we've been doing this six years? <laughs> yeah, closing in very, very Holy quickly. Holy man. And every single week, I think I've missed a handful of weeks. You've never missed one. I know that it's been such a journey. And it's funny because I think back to like recording in my car because I didn't have any kind of setup when we started to like, now I have an entire podcast closet and, you know, being excited that we got a couple hundred listeners to now, I I don't even know. You told me the numbers last time. And I was like, don't ever tell me the numbers again, because there's way too many people listening out there. I'm so honored. And 300 episodes, you guys. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and you know, one of the things, two viewfinders, the only lesson, because I do want to get into our, our cool topic today, the, the real lesson for me is, you know, one of commitment, dedication, right? I mean, like we get, oh, yeah, we're dedicated to helping the profession because we love it. But, you know, the other thing, Becky, is when you do love things, like you make time for it, it's a priority thing for us. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay, so to that exact point, the other day, um, I think it was on my Instagram, a memory came up, when I was recording in a doggy potty in an mm-hmm. airport because I remember that. literally the time that we had set aside, I was in an airport because of screwed up flights and I literally found a doggy potty area that was quiet and unused um, <laughs> and recorded in there. And I thought of all the funny places I recorded throughout the years because of that commitment. And honestly, the, the, the times that people have come to me and said either like I came to this lecture because I saw your name and I knew you were going to be here and I just wanted to say hello or people reach out and say, thank you. That was meaningful. Like the little bit of time that we do commit, I think it makes a lot of ripples. And the idea that 300 episodes worth of ripples is pretty impressive. I'm honored, honestly. Thanks for taking me on this journey with you. Oh man. Well, thank you for joining us. And and speaking of commitment and dedication, Mm -hmm. there's a thing going around. It started on TikTok, although we're going to talk about the origins, which go far before TikTok, called quiet quitting. And maybe, Becky, do you just want to explain what that means if for people that haven't seen the news around it? I do. But first, I want to know, did you just admit to having a TikTok account? And, well, I do have a TikTok account. I just haven't posted 
Okay, well, you didn't tell us because you were very, it was a Laura thing, not a you yes, thing the last my wife, I heard. Yes, as you know, my wife definitely prefers TikTok. I still, you know, Facebook scares me. You know, it just stresses me out. Uh, I scroll Instagram because, you know, I, there's, I just like, there's, I don't know. I like the content on Instagram more these days. But uh, I, my wife definitely is on TikTok. She is one of the first people to alert this to, trend to me. And then, of course, it blew up on the news. So talk a little yeah. about quiet quitting. What, what it actually, what people say it means. Okay, so to the point of the topic is quiet quitting. And, and I'm glad because, honestly, I learn a lot from TikTok. I think it keeps me semi-young. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what these things mean. Then I got to Google them and find them and I learn or jump to the comments. And quiet quitting... Of course, what I thought it was is just kind of ghosting your employer, right? Yeah, and saying yeah. like, I'm done with this crap. I'm not coming back tomorrow. I'm not going to answer the phone. You'll never hear from me again. It is not. It is actually, I think it's an ironic term because what it means is leaving when your job is done, doing what's in your job description and nothing more. Um, and not out of belligerence, but out of this is my job description. This is what I get paid to do. And I'm going to work within the confines of this instead of constantly going above and beyond working long hours, you know, um, sacrificing time with my friends and family. Quiet quitting is the act of really working within your job description. Yeah, it, it's totally that. And and I think viewfinders, it bears a little history lesson here because I, I'm going to have to claim this one as a Gen X origin. And I think there's been some some news around that going, wait, this isn't a new thing. And basically, you know, when, when my generation was coming into the workforce for, so now we're into the early to mid 90s, you know, and certainly into the like 2000 era. That there was this feeling that wow, you know, we we're like this just cog in the wheel, right? You know, I mean, you've heard those types of sentiments before, but suddenly now, the reason they called us slackers, Becky, was because Gen X started saying, you know what, I'm gonna like just do the job, and I'm not gonna like expect to to retire here in 20 years, and don't give me the gold watch. Gold watch is BS, right? I mean, we're like we were looking for this different lifestyle and it wasn't all around work like boomers, right? I mean, boomers were just like, you know, how do more work, 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 work all the time, you know, take your work home, work all the, and, and suddenly we started to, to rebel against that. Now I think it's kind of waxed and waned, but now we've got Gen Z's who are saying, you know, whoa, <laughs> you know, I'm not a productivity number anymore. And so they're disengaging from work. Yes. Yes. What I want to bring into this, conversation really early is the counter idea that kind of goes back and forth in these memes of quiet firing, right? right? Because right. what what people have actually been saying is quiet firing is the act of not rewarding, not giving right. raises, not giving praise, overworking, and all the things that have actually been happening. So the reason I bring that up is because it's like this quiet quitting thing is becoming the focus. But And, and like you said, you're quote unquote slacker if you don't live to work. But I think people have just begun to realize I'm here to work to live. I've watched my grandparents or my right. parents get up, do the grind and die. You know, right. they saved all their money. None of it went with them. We didn't get the memories. We didn't get the vacations. We're living in like a gig economy now, right? Like yeah. where people are working for themselves. They're doing what they need to do. They're, they're working for a few months, taking a few months off. There's no longer this conformity and so I think people are seeing different options and they're and the the main thing is they're not rewarded. Yeah. So it has become this idea of why do I continue this behavior 
which is technically insanity because we've seen no change in behavior. Yeah, that's a really good point. And 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 again, you know, viewfinders, if you're not familiar with this these terms, I encourage you just to go do a quick Google search. But quiet quitting, quiet firing, you know, those are, are really the same issue, but of course very different, you know, in, in in execution. And so one of the things I think that the lesson that that you have to learn, first of all, is that I think a lot of Gen Z is starting to realize, wow, what's the purpose of my work? And you know, we spend a lot of time here on the podcast, Becky talking about finding that meaning, finding meaningful work, you know, finding purpose in whatever you do, the why. And, and I think that a lot of times they may be in jobs where they don't feel like they're doing any positive contribution to the world, right? They're just, a, again, a cog in the machine. And I believe that that if they don't get purpose, if they don't get camaraderie, if they aren't mentored, right, then they're going to disengage. And that's what exactly what's happening. And in fact, there was a Gallup poll in one of the articles that I was reading, Becky, around this, and it said that only 31% of Gen Z and younger millennials report that they were engaged and enjoyed their work. And that's, that's pretty, that's sad. Well, I think it is sad, but I think it also leaves a lot more room for disengagement, right? Like, yeah, so if you're right. not engaged, if your work, like if this isn't, if this is truly mentally and emotionally a paycheck for you, it is so that you can put the house you choose or want to be able to have over your head, the food in your stomach. I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is like, there are jobs that do not provide the bare minimum of what you want. They provide the bare minimum of survival. Right. Then there's jobs right. out there that provide the bare minimum of what you want. Like, okay, we bought the house we want. We drive a decent car. We're happy. But it is a paycheck to provide those things. And it is much easier, right, to pack your bags up at five o'clock, head out the door, leave work at home, or, or like leave work at yeah, work yeah, yeah. and head home when you are not engaged, when you don't live to work. It is actually for a lot of our folks, I think, probably a dream to be able to like, you know, Fred Flintstone at the end of the day, hear that whistle, drop the rocks, slide down on the dinosaur tail and head on home. Like that is actually kind of a dream. And our profession has become so disassociated, like so far from the idea of like leaving when it's time to go home, taking. We have become so engulfed in like the harder you work, the more it means to you. And that's how you prove it. And it's right. And that's that's dangerous. That's unhealthy. Yes. I mean, that's unsustainable. And I, and I, and yeah. I think I love this. And and what I really think the, the, the lesson that we can all learn from this is that if quiet quitting slash quiet firing is occurring, that means that people, you know, or whatever, just doing, we, we've got to give better job descriptions for starters. And number two, we've got to say, hey, when it's quitting time, whenever possible, you're out of there. Now, again, viewfinders, be be very, very clear on this. We work in a medical profession and you can't do that all the time. <laughs> you know, like at five o'clock, there may be an emergency that needs your help and you can't just expect to walk out. But, you know, again, I go back to my old 80-20, like if 80% of the time you're able to get your staff out on time, you know, then that's great. That's a win. Um, but, you know, Becky, I think that what we're really finding, what we're running up against is a situation where they don't feel that the environment at work is somehow bringing them meaning and joy. It's not nurturing and developing them, right? There's no camaraderie and mentorship. And so they're like, okay, you know, I'm done with my job. I'm out of here. See ya. Yeah. And I don't honestly think there's actually anything wrong with it. In fact, yeah, yeah. I'd almost like to see us flip the narrative and encourage that quiet, like encourage that quote unquote quiet quitting. Hey guys, end of the day, you're scheduled to five. And I would argue 
gently push back on the 80-20 thing here. This is not a place where 80% is acceptable. I need to know 95% of the time I'm going home on time. Yeah, that's fair. 5% of the time you can have an emergency that isn't going to go to the emergency room because otherwise it's why there's emergency hospitals. And it's, it sounds cold and it sounds cruel, but this protection of employees is what they're looking for. So if it is that that once in a lifetime where we went into surgery at four and everything went to crap and now it's 6 yeah. p.m. and we're having to deal with it. But if you are let, allowing a dystocia into the office at 5 p.m. and that you know you're going to have to cut, nope, I think that's part of what the problem is. There's an emergency hospital for that dystocia. That client needs to be trained better than to come at five o'clock. Something could have been done to avoid that. So I think, honestly, it has to be like 95 to 99% of the time because that's the problem. Yeah, I agree. 80 to me, that's still too many days. That I, that's three <laughs> days a week. I might have to stay late. Yeah, you're, you're right. You're right. And again, you know, I'm just trying to throw the example. Sure, but you're sure. Right. Like, we and I'm should, not arguing it, but no, I'm no, saying it's striving. so easy, yeah, yeah. right? For us right. to say, oh, well, 80% of the time, what yeah. are you complaining about? I but like if we it. really look at that. And I think this is the problem. We take a 10,000 foot view yeah. of our employee's life and I say, well, it doesn't happen that much. But if you're a manager and you're looking at 20 employees and it's only happening five times a year to each of them, on the microscopic level for that one person, it might have been $100 for a late pickup at daycare. It might have been X, Y, or Z. It could have been important things that you don't know anything about. And so that's, I think, what's driving this is this, oh, it doesn't happen that much is an assignment of emotion as opposed to asking your employees what the impact is. And now they're tired of talking. Right. And the other thing too, I think, Becky, and everything you've said, I completely agree with and you're <laughs> absolutely right. But the other aspect of this is that of expectations, right? I mean, I think that we're quickly trying to figure out in the workplace, like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, is this okay to to go home as soon as the shift is over, right? Is it okay not to be available via text message at all hours of the night to ask you, did you do the packs or whatever, right? I mean, I think it is okay. We, we have said that multiple times here on the podcast, but Becky, you know, again, I think the expectations have to shift, right? I mean, and, and I think that we're starting to see this as again, the older generation is losing you know, they're, they're retiring. Let's be blunt. Okay. So they're leaving. Um, and, and maybe now we're going to start to see as, you know, Gen X and millennials start to take over leadership positions. Maybe these expectations will be corrected. Does that make sense as well? They have to be corrected because like, again, unreal expectation, like let's like look at cults. (laughs) They have expectations too, but they're crazy and they're unrealistic and they damage people. Right. The idea that It's not, like, I want to take what you said and go back and say, like, yeah, it's fine to not answer that text. The bigger problem is who sent it. Right, exactly. Like, that's the bigger problem. It isn't a matter of, am I okay because I don't want to answer this on my day off? It is a matter of who thinks it's okay to text me in the middle of the night. Exactly. it's okay to to ask me about PACs at 3 a.m.? And I know you're being facetious, but that is situationally what a lot of us deal with. And it is, it is, like... Now becoming, well, I, I, I had doctors text me about PACs when I was uh, in bed at 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning. So, like, why is it not okay for me to do that to you? And we're getting into, and, uh, ugh, I mean, we can go big on this, or like student loans, X, Y, or Z. There's this mentality of, like, if I had to suffer, you do, you do too. too. Right, right. And if you don't, you're weak, you're not good enough, it's a, you're soft, X, Y, or Z. And I'm like, yeah, okay, well, so how does your third wife feel about your work schedule? <laughs> right. Like, you know, I'm sorry. Like, I'm not trying to be mean, right? But it's like, 
who are holding fast to these beliefs and to these um, to this historical pattern without actually watching the world fall around us because of it and saying like, oh, possibly it is this behavior that has led to problems. And, and while I did have to do it, yep, that does not mean the next generation does. And there's this crazy oxymoron of wanting the future generations to do better and have better than you and yet pulling them yeah. down with right. you. Act actively destroying Act the future. Literally, yes. <laughs> and they're present, you know, for sure. So again, you know, viewfinders, I think the first thing about quiet quitting is it's in response to sort of just, you know, not having a great work environment, right? And maybe you don't feel like, you know, people value you. You don't have people that are helping nurture you or develop you or whatever, right? So you just don't feel great. So you're like, hey, you know what? I'm going to do the bare minimum. So I totally get that. The other thing too that, that I, I want to point out is this quiet firing and re, re configuring our, our expectations of the worker because, again, the quiet firing is also part of the problem because these are just managers who are kind of ignoring everybody around them and literally treating them like, did you get this done? Why not? Do it faster. Do more, right? And I think that if you're a veterinarian, a, a tech, a CSR, an assistant, and literally everything is about revenue and number of appointments and all of that stuff, I mean, that's also demoralizing. Oh, 100%. And it's, again, it kind of ties into that because I said so kind of, because this is what I went through pattern, I think. And it is, you know, I don't even know the origins of it. Like, I don't know where it all comes from. I don't know why it's, it's a matter of pride. I really have no idea, but we are not, like, it's always about our measuring stick, right? Mm -hmm. And we aren't recognizing the change, the need for change, the reason that there's change. And it's just so funny to me because it's like, these are the same folks who are like, oh man, 20 people I went to school with have died of suicide. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then they're like screaming at their employees to go do this and X, Y, and Z. And like, right. yeah, I think if you're not looking at your employees as people, if you're not see it, again, if it, it's like, if your expectation is that they're going to do whatever it is you need them to do, like that is, if you ask a lot of managers, like, what are your expectations? I expect them to show up, do their job, X, Y, and Z. That's what they would list. But emotionally, they expect them to do what is ever is needed to keep the roof over that hospital. Yeah, I'll never forget, like, you know, as I was really starting to ramp up my you know, endurance things and moving into Ironman, you know, competitively and, and stuff back back in my career. And at the time when I when I started really going long, I had already been, I'd already owned, uh, you know, uh, my main clinic for nearly 10 years, about 10 years at that time. So, you know, I kind of knew, knew the game, right? I mean, I, I knew it. And I remember, you know, I was also just beginning to speak and write and so forth. And Becky, it was so bizarre to me because when I would go out and give lectures or whatever and you know I'd talk about how I had to get up early or people were like why don't you come out and go to the you know bars or whatever and I was like man I got to get up super early and, and go for a run or, or train or whatever and they would I remember them going you know I just could never do that I could never do that to like my practice or whatever and I think this is also one of those signals that you know I was making time for myself right I was forcing yeah. myself to do something and it was hard and it took a lot of time but you know for me it gave a lot of personal rewards physical emotional all those kind of things but you know it was so funny because I would hear colleagues at the time say wow you must not be as committed 
right? Getting back to what you were saying just a second ago, it's like, you must not really love your job if you're out there doing Iron Man. You're training every day. How many day. people did you punch in the face in that time? <laughs> None. I'm, I'm not sure. a violent guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, it, it just, it always made me kind of sad. And, and you know, then I will tell you what happens, viewfinders, is you start to question your own motives, right? You're like going, whoa, maybe I'm not so good. Maybe I should be working more and harder and longer and, and not taking time for myself and my family and doing these things. And so, you What's know. vacation? Must be right, nice. Right, and, I've never. I know, I know. It's, but Becky, you know, so we have to be careful about, are we still persisting in these cultures that reward that. Now, you have talked about this innumerable times on the podcast over the years, but, you know, we are, we we do tend to dismiss those around us who then say, you know what, hey, it's time for me to go home. Yeah, I think that, I, I honestly, I think that, um, pandemic has changed that a little bit. I'm going to shout out Tosh McNerney here because I see her posting a lot on her Facebook of like, I chose to do this instead of this. Like I went with my family and friends to the beach, even though there was this like work thing that I normally would have squeezed out or exhausted myself and done, you know, FOMO became like a really big thing. uh, I think pre pandemic. And I'm like, I'm the opposite of FOMO. I'm like the fear of being included is mine. Like I'm like, (laughs) please leave me out of all of this. But this, I think we're getting back to that a little bit. And that's exactly it is. It's like that mentality of, Oh, it must be nice. Yep, Must right. be nice. I, I can't tell you how many times I went to a conference, worked my butt off for three, four, five days, spoke 12, 14, 16 hour days, came back to work and they were like, how was your vacation? Right. And right. it's not their fault, right? And it's not my fault, but the misconception there. And then I was made to feel like I had, I should be grateful that I just had these five days off that I've just been working my tail off X, Y, and Z. Fine. So point there being is it is, it is very quick for us to pull out our own measuring stick and to, to measure people against it. And the idea, and I agree, like I personally, and this has nothing to do with my practice, have no desire to wake up at 5 a.m. and go running. Like, sure. and this yeah, is, yeah. I've completed a whole lot of 5Ks. I've done my fair share of running. I've been there, done that, but I never wanted to do it at 5 a.m. That's right, right. fine. Yeah, that's fine. But it's like we, it's like misery loves company in the way that we want to like make someone feel bad. Right. For doing the things that we're not able to do for ourselves. Like, so instead of saying, man, I wish I had the ability or the motivation to find something in my life to do outside of work, I really admire that about you, which is probably what they're actually thinking. What they're saying to you is like, oh, must be nice to get that time off of work so you can go run around Hawaii or whatever the crap. And it's like, Honestly, even if you were going to Hawaii to slip my ties, it's none of your darn business if I have earned and have the ability and can. But instead, we're all pulling out these measuring sticks of our own misery and holding them against other people. And I think part of this quiet quitting is I don't give a darn about your measuring stick. I really feel perfectly fine at the end of the day when I leave and go home. Right. So I'll leave you here with your misery. I'm going to go ahead and go back to the house and hang out with the people I'm in love with. Right. And and again, you know, uh, this reminds me, and this was before the quiet quitting things. This was back in the beginning of the year. And a young associate that that I had met on social media, uh, she was saying that she had stopped putting all, she also was getting into triathlon. And that's how we kind of struck up a a online, you know, like question back and forth, like, oh, great job or whatever kind of stuff. And uh, she said she stopped posting any pictures of her doing like running or cycling or swimming, you know, anything at all, because immediately when she did, 
someone in her peer group would say, just like you said, like, oh, well, you know, must be nice to be able to to take off time, you know, from work and go play around. You know, it's like, well, this is survival mode. But again, that's another form of quiet quitting, right? She's she's literally saying, I'm going to disc. I'm not going to even let anybody know what I'm doing because. I, I don't want the repercussions of it, right? You're going to make me feel guilty for actually taking care of myself, and and you know, and, and I'm torn on things like that because you know, a Becky, it does. I mean, right? They win, they win, right? But B, oh, yeah. I think sometimes by sharing these examples, it maybe helps propel the narrative to saying this is more normal than you think. And I think that that's what that's what really quiet quitting is about. It's about reestablishing those boundaries of work versus personal life, and. I, I know that this is kind of a, a corny term maybe that they've applied, but I think really what the cry is to say, hey guys, I need a line here. There's a boundary between my work and my personal. And you know what? When my work is done, it's done. And don't expect me to hang around for another two hours because you are inefficient in your systems, because you're a poor leader, because you're doing all these things that are unhealthy. You know what? I'm got to take care of myself. I think that's what it's really about. Yeah, but like, how's that go over in the job interview? <laughs> right, <laughs> right? right. So there's the problem is, is, is like, if you're truly that person, you believe that you either have to like fake it till you get the job because that's what the expectation is or part of what pe- this, this quote unquote unicorn clinic, I know that's your favorite term is, hi, we like to end at the end of the day. <laughs> like right. that, that is part of what I should be selling about my clinic and telling people before they even come in there because what happens is, this becomes an attitude change. And then I think people feel at risk because if you're in there doing everything you can do all day, you're that employee that they can always count on. God forbid you don't have kids. (laughs) Now you definitely have to stay late every time without anybody caring about your outside life. And also, hold on, now I'm going down a little path. Like your friend here can't talk (laughs) about running. Now nobody knows at the end of the day that I have this activity that I'm proud of and I want to do because I'm belittled every time I do. And because it doesn't involve sacrificing myself for either a job or family, now I really, God forbid, I do. Right? <laughs> right, right? So now you're like the person who is in the clinic who finally gets fed up and says, I'm going to start doing me. Now you've had an attitude change. Oh, yeah. And, right? And, now you're getting yeah. called into the office. Now right. nobody wants to work with you. Now you have a bad, quote unquote, bad attitude because you're like, oh, but I actually just wanted to take my lunch and go home at the end of the day. Right, exactly, exactly. And now you're in trouble. Now you're in trouble. And and yeah, and, and, and true story. And you might have heard me say this. You tell this story, viewfinders, before. But you know, um, when I started vet school, I'd always been in bands, uh, undergrad. You know, I've always been a very creative type, writing and you know, doing all, all kinds of art. Right, uh, not visual art, but everything else. And so, um, when I go to vet school, obviously, you know, my last band breaks up, and so you know, I take a, a, some time off. And about halfway through, um, not even halfway. I mean, it was. The first quarter of my freshman year of vet school, you know, I'm starting to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm really getting burnt out. I mean, I'm making great grades, but it's a real expense to my mental state, right? So we started the Violets. That's that's how that band started, you know? And yeah. so that was my outlet, right? Because I knew that for my mental health, I needed to have an, an artistic outlet, an expression, right? And so we became popular very quickly. Uh, we just had a, a you know good sound, good time, whatever. And so we wound up on the cover, on the front page of the Red and Black, which was the student newspaper at the time. And they were talking about like, you know, this new hot band, you know, the Violets, and there we are, you know, uh, cool picture on the thing. And I'm summoned to the associate dean's office that day. 
and basically got a, just like you said, literally got called into the office. And he said, you know, you obviously aren't committed to vet school. I don't think you're going to, you know, make it past this first year, <laughs> you know, which created tremendous stress on me. But, you know, again, here we are. We're wondering, why did I quiet quit vet school, right? Because literally, I mean, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do from here on out. I'm going to do what I got to do. And that's about it. And that means that I'm going to go out and, and be who I am. And I remember telling the associate dean at the time, I was like, you know, hey, the reason that I'm doing this is because I'm still trying to figure out who I am as a person. And this is a great way for me to learn things about myself that I can't learn in vet school. And so, you know, while that may sound super logical and basic to you guys listening today at the time, it got me in a lot of trouble because remember, this is the 1980s, you know, Becky. And that's so crazy. Like it, to think about sad. that you were identified as it's, it's so, this is what, like, no one was like, wow, I saw you picked up an extracurricular activity and you're really doing amazing with that and right. great outlet, you know, great way to really like active meditate your way through vet school. <laughs> right. Just make sure your grades don't slip. Just a little worried, yeah, right? Like yeah. I feel like you were doing A's, now we're B's, are we doing okay? Right. That should have been like an emotional check-in with credit, right? For like what you were doing to take care of you. Um I think this is what's happening is that that mentality is now shifting a little bit and generationally it is more encouraged and it is being handled different, but it's, it's sort of riptiding for for a beach (laughs) reference of with the, with the attitude of constant pushing and going. And so now we have these tides sort of working against each other and they really don't blend. They're very adversive. And so it is very difficult to find middle ground with these two different mentalities and think that's what's happening in this quiet quitting, quiet firing, instead of just saying, actually, I'm just living my life because it's really right. all you are doing, right. working within this, the jobs of your per- parameters of your job, working within the parameters of your life and not crisscrossing the two. They're now have these really emotionally tied names to them because of the inability to just say, oh yeah, well, that makes perfect sense. And that's them. Good on them. Yeah, and we don't just live to do our job. You know, we are working and so we can go out and have a life. And again, you know, viewfinders, I think for me, what this quiet quitting trend is, I think it's healthy. I think it's necessary. Um, I do hope that we will embrace it. I think that if you run into a situation where a person is quiet quitting, you should probably better understand it. You know, so if you see that employee who suddenly goes from, you know, staying 20 hours overtime a week to zero, I would start to say, how can we learn from that? Because that sounds like a healthier balance to me. And so I wouldn't just dismiss it. I wouldn't penalize them. I wouldn't punish them. (laughs) I wouldn't say, oh man, you're less than. I would say, how can we learn? Because it sounds like you're actually doing the right thing. So I'd love to hear your opinions on this. I mean, Becky, any any last thoughts about quiet quitting before we kind of wrap up today's podcast? I just think in general, like removing the title, if it feels good and you're not hurting anyone, it's probably okay. Um, please stick to your own measuring sticks and please keep your measuring stick to your damn self because (laughs) it's really nobody else's business and you are more than welcome to have your feels. Take it to a counselor. Keep it where it's supposed to be Um, because this life is short and nothing is promised and, and truly getting the best out of every day is what matters. And if you're not happy and you're not fulfilled, um, nothing is promised. So find it. 
Yeah, find it. So if find you find your happy. find your happy. How are you finding your happy viewfinder family? How how are you dealing with quiet quitting? Do you have a colleague uh, who's quiet quitting? Maybe you yourself are quiet quitting or thinking about it. We'd like to hear if you have any stories to share out there about this. And more importantly, I just think that as a profession, we've got to respect each other's personal boundaries. And you know what? You're not defined by how many hours you work at a job. You are defined by who you are and your contributions. And so again, maybe this is time for you to dust off those job descriptions and make sure that you're actually have reasonable expectations for people. And, you know, again, quiet quitting isn't not doing your job. It's just doing your job and that's it, right? So again, viewfinders, I'd like to hear your opinions on this because let's just face it, the TikToks are not going away on this one. Becky, how can they share uh, their stories with us? I don't know, Dr. Ernie, what's your TikTok <laughs> handle? We can share it Dr. over there Ernie with you. Dr. Ernie Ward, but I'm, I'm, I'm working <laughs> on it. I'm, I'm, I'm working up to it. I'm, I'm thinking about you it. You guys know where to find us. You can hit us up on Facebook at Veterinary Viewfinder. Uh, over there on Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder. Maybe we'll have to have a TikTok for Veterinary Viewfinder before too long. We may have to. In the meantime, also you can shoot me an email at veterinaryviewfinder at gmail.com. That's right, guys. Enjoy the rest of your day and here's to quiet quitting. Bye. Oh, I went home. (laughs) That's good. That's good. I like that. Please leave it like that. I liked it. Oh, yeah, yeah. You nailed it. That was really good. (laughs) That was good. All right.